Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Naftal Benesti, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 47. I love podcasting, but I've got to get back to work. And today, it's July 24th, 2023. Episode 40 was the last personal episode that I made, and a lot has happened ever since then, and a lot has changed. First, uh, an announcement is that um, I'm no longer scheduling the podcast series, so there will be an episode whenever. At episode 40, I was having an existential crisis because I was getting better, and I was like, okay, if I get better, maybe I should go back to work to make money. Um, And I was like, okay, but I really do love podcasting and I do love advocating for the cause. And I researched if I could possibly monetize the podcast series. That did not um, pan out, unfortunately. So I was like, oh, I love podcasting, but I got to go back to work. I love podcasting, but I got to go back to work. So that was a big thing for me at episode 40. I'm going to start off with the whole symptoms thing and the buying thing. So let's start with sleep. That has improved. Overall, that has improved. I think on average, I would be getting about six and a half hours on average. Um, so a lot better than what it used to be. It's still broken. I still have extremely vivid dreams every night, almost every night. So that is a thing. Um, but I'm. it's just so different from that perpetual exhaustion and no barely no sleep and blah 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 and like not able to think that has passed so i'm happy and i hope that it stays that way um obviously i was hoping it would get even better and better possibly probably it will so the sleep thing is still my main thing if i have a rough night which i sometimes still have um it does affect my whole day like sleep is number one people like we all fucking need it (laughs) And for me, for some reason, if I sleep very poorly, it just exacerbates my symptoms. Um, Yeah, no sleep, no bueno. (laughs) Um, There was an incident in July uh, 2023 where I forgot to dose. Most likely I forgot to dose. It was such a a story. Um, Let's see, I was doubting if I took my dose, went to bed. I was like, oh, did I take my dose? Oh, I can't remember. Well... From past experiences, it was like, okay, if I didn't take the dose, I won't sleep. So I'll find out soon enough. Um, but I did sleep and I was kind of, I had like a really rough night. I was like, the day after. And I was like, let me check my pill boxes. And I kind of messed up there because I became casual with filling the pill boxes. Um, and coincidentally, that was the day that I was supposed to fill my pill boxes. So all of the pill boxes were empty, so I couldn't check. And I was like, hmm, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. Well, I'm not really sick, so probably maybe I took it. I mean, there's two things that you can do. Take the dose anyways, or just not take it. There's, you know, two choices with two outcomes. I mean, it's super shitty to even remotely possibly forgot the dose. That Forget the dose. That was like, ugh, you know, that is not an ideal situation. So first of all, I learned from that, like, I have to be vigilant with filling these peel boxes and making sure that I don't fuck up. <laughs> Because, you know, it could have dire consequences. Um, But I remember, because it's been a while, I have to, like, really dig deep in my memory here. 
I think it was the day after that I became super symptomatic. I almost stopped sleeping altogether, like one hour. And I was like, oh gosh, I really think I, I really think I missed the dose. I really think I missed the dose. And all of my symptoms came back. Everything that I w was gone, like heart palpitations have been gone for so long now, like hallelujah. Um, extreme tinnitus, like an explosion of tinnitus. Um, it all came back and I was like, oh gosh, I, I think I forgot the dose. What do I do? What do I, and then, so this is a kind of like one, I, I can't remember that this ever happened during my taper. So just imagine I took the dose the night before at 11 or something. And then I go to bed, wake up at one or something. I'm like, oh gosh, I forgot the dose. I, I think I have to take the dose anyway. So I did. It, it made, so I, I kind of like took two dosages, like very short, you know, after each other. And I was like, I was getting a little bit high. I was like, oh, I feel a bit high. Not necessarily in a good way, but oh, I feel sedated. That's the word. Um, in hindsight, I think I did the best thing to uh, take the dose anyways. Um, it took me a couple of days to kind of recover from that, as you will. So yeah, that is something that happened and I just wanted to share. Now the work, income, disability stuff, that is the biggest theme that happened, I suppose. Um, the Dutch social system, security system is very difficult, complicated to explain. It, I can tell you for sure that it's fucked up because the UN actually slapped the Netherlands on the wrist. Uh, in 2011, that this system um, is no bueno, it's not good. It is, it's really, it doesn't make any sense. It's unfair and people are suffering in my country because of this broken system. I guess every country has their own kind of broken system, I suppose. Um, where do I even start with this? Because it's so complicated. Okay, I will tell you this. I lost my job in 2020 because of a reorganization that led me into unemployment then I kind of realized along the way that something was wrong. I didn't even know about the benzos yet, but I did know that something was off. I was like, um, I don't think I'm, you know, I had my first psychosis going from a benzo to a Z drug, going back to the benzo. Something is wrong. <laughs> Maybe I should not be looking for a job whilst having a psychosis and stuff. I was like, okay, something needs to change. I need to go find help. So I called in sick within the system of the unemployment. That lasts for two years, and then they're supposed to assess you and see if you're disabled or whatever. Um, <laughs> they are super understaffed at my government. So instead of what protocol kind of dictates is that they're, they're supposed someone is supposed to have seen me and assess me and whatever. I don't know exactly how that would go. Um, but you know, I was amidst withdrawal. I was sick as fuck. <laughs> I was so sick. So, so sick. And I remember, uh, I think it was February 2021 or two. I can't remember. I was so sick, you know, bind, memory loss, blah, dying, trying to survive and all that. I was like, I'm dying, I'm dying. So I couldn't be bothered. Uh, all I know, I, I will tell you this though. So I was getting some money from the government, about a thousand, eleven hundred euros, barely covering my costs. Thank goodness I have a partner. Um, else I just would have died of starvation. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so I was like, I can't, I was so sick that I wasn't able to really comprehend finances. I was like, I'm just, my brain is dead. I'm not sleeping. I'm trying to survive. I'm having seizures. You may catch the drift here. But they did call me somewhere, the government, like um, requesting for my medical files. Like, sure, please do. You can see. Because by then I knew I had been poisoned by benzos and benzos were my problem. I was like, they will see that benzos ruined my life, sure. You have my permission to get my medical file. 
Um, I was expecting maybe to get an invite to see a doctor or something, and I just didn't hear anything from them. And like I said, I was busy surviving. <laughs> At some point, I, I picked up podcasting, so I was really, I was just in, an, in another universe, in another bubble, not worrying about money at all. Um, and it's, it's very coincidentally, so try, I was trying to monetize the podcast series, which didn't go well. I did, a, I spent a lot of time trying to make that happen and finding out how that works on a technical level and a lot. It was just a lot. I'll tell you that. I invested a lot of time in that, but you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So that was kind of coming to an end. I was like, okay, I don't think this is going to work out. And at around the same time, <laughs> I get a call where I get summoned for this assessment. And that was so extremely triggering to me, y'all. I cannot even explain how triggering that was. I remember it was like a Friday. I was watching a show with my partner and like some call center called me to schedule me with a doctor. I'm like, <gasps> like my heart dropped like, oh my God, oh my God. Now I got summoned on a Wednesday morning at 8.30. 8.30 people, and as y'all know, I don't partake with the summertime bullshit, the daylight savings. So for me, it's actually 7.30. And honestly, I could not remember the last time that I set a fucking alarm in the morning. <laughs> like, my sleep is fucking sacred. I don't care if I wake up seven times. I need to have, for me, it really works not to have obligations in the morning that I can just, well, I wouldn't say sleep in, because what is that? <laughs> I've forgotten the concept of sleeping in. It's like more like when I am finished trying to get the most hours out of the night, out of my sleep, that's when I'll come out of bed, whenever that is. Usually it's around the same time, but, you know, sometimes it's not. So that just alone was a stressor and it was in a different city i mean like a half hour away from me but i was like oh my god i was like very, I, like when i got the call i was like oh my god will the doctor understand what bind is will the doctor understand what benzos do and blah 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 will they acknowledge me um additionally though i i, I saw a tv show and they kind of explained the system how messed up it is so basically it was like a journalism program in the netherlands like oh this system is fucked up by the way um and this is kind of how it works um it's just a very weird system and i was like okay so i think i may expect what this doctor is gonna check with me but you know i wasn't sure but 8 30 in the morning i was like oh my god and it was an in, a very intense day because I remember that I woke up for the second time and I was like, it doesn't, you know, I can't go back to sleep for the third time because my alarm will go off in like 20 minutes. So lack of sleep, the stress of getting there, I was super symptomatic that day. And I'm talking super symptomatic, like twitchy, jerks. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, we went with the subway and like all of it was just awful the lights were too bright the sounds were too loud this is like rush hour people are going to work it was crowded i was like oh oh my god it was just i don't want to think back of it too much because it was just a horrible horrible experience anyways i get to the doctor in the end and the doctor was friendly but kind of like i what i suspected was his job isn't really about oh are you sick did you almost die? No, like his sole job is to check what you are able to do currently. So it's like, can you walk, can you talk, how long? Can you sit behind a computer? So that is kind of what he had to do. He was friendly. I think he did express some shock 
like nonverbal shock when he saw the amounts of benzos that I was on for all those years. But other than that, it was just a, a strange kind of thing where it was like, okay, I have to check this list. Like, can you walk? Can you talk? I'm like, oh, right. Then he explained to me that that was going, his findings would go to another department. And then the weird system begins where they're going to put in what I can and can't do in a computer. And then theoretically, jobs will come out of that. And then they're going to look at my old salary and that theoretical job that I could possibly do. The loss of income defines the percentage of how, unquote, sick I would be. So one of the things that come out, can come out of that, because I'm still waiting for the results of this, so it's pending, um, they could say, well, you are 41.6% sick. <laughs> That's basically, in a nutshell, very the very complicated system of the ne Netherlands. Now, if it's above 35%, what I gathered is I still get this disability that hardly pays bills. <laughs> if it's if I if if it's below thirty five percent, I'm not going to get any money. Period. So that was a very very stressful event. Now that insecurity of my income was a giant catalyst. It, honestly, like I can't even convey this to you. I was like, oh my goodness, I may actually need to go back to work despite my mind. Maybe I don't feel like I'm ready or maybe I have limitations because of bind. Honestly, I do feel like I have limitations because of bind because I could get waves, you know? Um, anyways, I was like, oh, I just, I wish I could be a full-time podcaster. I love podcasting. I wish it was a paid job, but it's not. So... I was like, okay, work, 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 but I got to go to work. Like, oh my goodness. So it was, it was a giant catalyst and work is a difficult thing for me. I love to work. I mean, well, love to work. I love to do something for society. And I used to be a social worker, as you know. Um, again, a complicated Dutch thing is, is with my diploma, which I got under dire circumstances. I got really good grades. Um, but the Dutch system is very much about certain levels of degrees. And if you don't have a certain level, it's very difficult to get a job. That is my situation. It's always been my situation. I really thought like, oh, I got a good degree now. I'm going to get really good jobs. No. <laughs> I mean, in the end, I did have a job that, um, how long did I do that for? 14 years. And I was really good at it. Did I like it? Not necessarily, but it was good in terms of salary and stuff. So, and flexible hours. I, I got to sleep in. Ah, what a gift. Anyways, so that is still a problem. It's still very difficult for me to find a job suitable to that degree that I've had or that I have. Um, obviously, I, pref I, I don't think I could do it. I mean, there are jobs available. I, I've looked at jobs. I've, I've actually applied to some jobs already. But most jobs available are the ones that are very low pay, which would require me to work 40 hours a week to even remotely get what I'm getting now of the government. So it's it's complicated. Anyways, that was a reality check to me. Like, oh, wow, I've lost so much in benzo withdrawal. I, I mean, I would have lost that job that I had regardless because of the re reorganization. But I was like, wow, it just was a reality check. Like, I've been sick for so long. I've been, and this happens to a lot of us, I reckon. Like, oh gosh. And at some point, I do have to get back to work. I mean, regardless that I want to be better, that that is the thing. That this need for normalcy, I think it's so powerful. Like, 
I would rather toss my benzo out of the window tonight and I don't know, just get back to life, get back to normal life. And, um, but you know, that's not reality. So this is, um, this is difficult. This is difficult for me. I'm going to be real honest with y'all. Now, like I said, catalyst. So after that happened, um, it took me about a week or so. And I was like, you know what? This is so unjust. <laughs> this is super unjust. I was poisoned, almost died. I've had horrible doctors. I've had horrible psychiatrists. This is not cool. So I actually, I want to start out with this. I wrote my doctor an email, pretty long email, about four pages. Um, my Benzo book in a nutshell. Um, and there's many things that I say in this email towards him. Um, I do say a few things where I'm like, I understand that you are not well trained about benzodiazepines. So there were things where it's like, I understand this and I understand that. And I understand that you just wanted to help possibly. But I also blame him for certain things like, okay, you shouldn't have known to not let me call Turkey a benzo for a Z drug. You should have known this. You should have acted when the pharmacy reached out to you to warn you that I was on high level benzodiazepines for so long. You didn't, you, he didn't act when he um, got the message. He told me when I was in a psychosis. He never linked my psychosis with the switch of the medication. Anyway, anyways, there's a lot of things that I do blame him, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, you're liable. <laughs> I, so I was like, you know, I, 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 I've, I've said it throughout the podcast here and there where I'm like, you know, I, I, I that I'm not going to get into the whole suing thing. But I was like, you know, we should. We all should sue our doctors, whoever did this to us. And I mean, it's a complicated matter. But I was like, there is this feeling of injustice where like maybe even if he didn't mean to do this, this happened. And I am the victim here because I went through hell. I almost died all because he prescribed me benzodiazepines. And whatever happens next, like the the constantly um, refilling the the prescription and all that. So I was like, you know, I would love to have justice, even though I don't like want him. I mean, part of me is very like, I hope you suffer. Um, but I was like, you know, I want justice. And I'm not really sure how this is done internationally. But uh, as far as I, I've gathered is that all GPs in the Netherlands have an insurance for liability cases for things like this. So I was like, you know, I could drag his ass to court, but I'd rather prevent that and maybe just reach a settlement. So I um, actually said that in an email, like I, I would like for your insurance, you and me to get together and discuss a settlement. And I also said something about, look, I've lost my marriage. I've lost so many things, um, but there's actual, I can actually tangibly show the world like, okay, this was my income before benzos. This is the losses in terms of just money. Um, so that is the least that he could, he could possibly compensate me for. So I, I sent the email a few days ago. He's on vacation. Um, so that is also pending. I'll let y'all know if I'm allowed to. I'm not really sure how that goes. If it, there can be different like outcomes, he can be like, oh, I'm really sorry that I poisoned you and almost died. Oh, before I forget, I did see him a few months ago. Um, I, I went in a different mode as you all. I was like, okay, my, my hatred, my anger is lesser than the need to warn the world. So I was like, can I just, I wanna do advocacy. Can we warn the world please? Cause this is happening and this is real and this should stop. And he didn't even apologize when I told him that I almost died and that suffering, that immense suffering that I went through. 
So I, I, he's not very sympathetic, but you know, whatever. But he did seem to be willing to let me in with his like GP's co-workers and he was like oh maybe you can like give a presentation i was like oh that's cool so yeah let's do it i never heard from him again so that's not going to happen so now i'm like you know what i lost money it's it's partially your fault because there's like different cogs in the system where it went wrong like i'll get to that but okay so i send my gp an email and i'm i'm trying to get compensated financially for whatever happened now if he's like you stupid cunt. I'm not going to pay you shit. I'll see you in court. Maybe I'll go there. But that will take, probably use all my savings. So I would really have to contemplate if I would be willing to do that, you know, because it is a risk. When I had sent that email a few days later, I'm thinking like, wait, remember that addiction facility that I went to? And this stupid addictions, unquote, specialist, whatever, told me that I could switch to Ativan, Lorazepam. <laughs> and I was like, uh, like a week later, I'm so confused, so sick. I'm like, this is not working. Just give me the, the diazepam, the Valium the instant switch over then i cold turkey and he actually said good for you the cold turkey stuff but what i really blame i really 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 blame my addiction specialist that i had at the time because i told him everything that was happening like my burning skin um almost died um psychotic um extreme just sick so sick like i had the flu all of the symptoms that we can have in acute withdrawal, I told him, and he basically told me, oh, you gotta push through, blah, blah, blah. That not, that's not listening. I told him I was the sickest that I could ever be, and he did not help me at all. So I do blame him too. Like the almost dying part, that's on him. <laughs> that's on him, really, it is on him. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just send, I'm gonna get, I'm going to try to get compensation there too. Now I have to send these folks a letter already wrote the letter. I just got to print it out somewhere. I don't have a printer. So uh, my partner's printing it at work um, soon. And then I'll send it and see if I can get compensation without going to, you know, court. So it's interesting in terms of the legal stuff, in, in my opinion, because we have my GP who wasn't supposed to prescribe me benzodiazepines. Well, just at all, because I never responded well to any of them. So that should have been a sign in my opinion first. The second thing with my GP is just, you know, for years and years and years, just prescribing and prescribing such high amounts of benzodiazepine is evil. Um, no checkup, nothing. I think it's super negligible, but whatever. And, and then switching me to a Z drug, I get psychotic. Anyways, a lot happened. It started with him. It started with him. But then, you know, I go into addic an addiction facility, outpatient, as you will, but still there too. That's, that, those actually, those people actually almost murdered me. I just think it's manslaughter, it's murder. I don't have the words for this. I would have died if I really would have listened to those instructions. And I think one of my arguments in the letter is also, and I think this is true, is because of the bad advice that I was given there, my healing will most likely be taking longer. So I, um, again, so I'm, I'm, I'm holding them accountable too. So that is the second thing. So I'm trying to get compensation from my GP. I'm trying to get compensation from this addiction facility that massively fucked up. Obviously, I don't know um, what the outcome is going to be. Then the third party, in my opinion, that is guilty, guilty as charged, is my government. Because I think it's a constitutional law that they're supposed to protect you and stuff. I'm not really sure. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I feel like, you know, they should have 
put more stuff in the in the insert pamphlet like don't use it longer than so and so and gradual could be years you know there is really a lack of information in the insert pamphlets and i put that on the government so possibly but you know suing the government is like suing the monster <laughs> it's like uh, uh gosh um, so that is very unlikely, but still. So I'm, I'm really looking for ways to get compensated for all the damages that I tangibly, financially have led, gotten, have. Sorry, grammar. So again, I do want to emphasize here that I really enjoy making the podcast series Ben So Tired. Um, it's just that life gets in the way sometimes. Even though I know that I'm kind of like amidst my journey, I still have five milligrams left to go of diazepam slash Valium if I ever succeed in that. But it's just I one of the many reasons why I started to create this podcast, I was just very interested in the process. What happens to people like me or possibly in benzodiazepine withdrawal? And it is otherworldly. There are no words to describe this. And I think that is what makes it hard because, especially in these windows of normalcy, and I, I, and I know what it's like to be in like mental anguish and not able to sleep and having the physical symptoms, but it does so much to the mind and your mood. I just remember being this bundle of joy <laughs> before I got benzodiazepines, tinnitus, and all that stuff. I, I mean... I'm a human being, so I've had some, you know, periods of maybe depression or that I was down. I guess that's very normal in life. And life, you know, is stressful and, you know, and anything can happen which can, you know, lead to depression or you not feeling so well for a while. But this benzodiazepine withdrawal thing, it's like... It lasts for so long, for so many reasons. Just from the outside looking in, it's it could be years. So that is just really, really long. But the days itself are, there's a sort of mind, uh, I'm sorry, time warp that goes on. Well, mind warp and time warp. When you are in benzo withdrawal, in my opinion, this is my experience. What I can tell you is like these days where... Um, there's mental anguish or you haven't slept well or at all and and you're just sick or whatever you know it just feels longer because it is longer a mainly because you're not sleeping or barely sleeping or a little bit sleep whatever and then one of the things that is so interesting yet so horrible about benzodiazepine withdrawal is like the mind goes in overdrive that endlessly thinking 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 it's it is mental torture basically um, it's like you can't stop stressing about something. Now, I don't know how I was like in terms of, uh, we say in Dutch, like parking a thought, like, okay, I'm gonna let it go. There's nothing that I can do about it right now. All I can do is wait or whatever. This is, I don't have any power over this. This is exceptionally difficult or maybe even impossible during benzodiazepine withdrawal, in my opinion. And in these window of, of, windows of normalcy, and it's just psychologically, this is so fascinating, yet again, terrible. But I'm like, what happens to people in mental withdrawal? What happens to me? I've had so many days where just my mind goes on and on and on. My thoughts just racing, racing, restlessness, just restlessness in a way that I had never experienced that before benzodiazepine withdrawal. And like a million thoughts would be going through my mind. And, you know, just the gravity of this, I think... For me, I'll just speak to myself. It's like when you're in that really dark place, it's like, how could this happen to me? Because one of the surreal things about this whole thing is that a pill 
created by mankind can cause something as horrible as this. You just can't imagine. Because I'm thinking like pre-benzo, how my, if, if someone would t tell me this, I just couldn't fathom it, I suppose. I mean, drugs, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I dabbled a little bit in ecstasy, for example. That was a, 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 my drug of choice for a while, while clubbing. So that was just in the weekends. It, nothing near physical dependence, whatever. Did learn valuable lessons about what drugs do, and you know, you're happy one night, but you're depressed the other. So there's always a cost to, to drugs. But you know, I thought benzodiazepines were medications, <laughs> not drugs. They are drugs. I think what I'm trying to say here is that benzodiazepines or withdrawal, they really hijack your brain, your mood, your soul, uh, almost. Yeah, your soul. It's like it. I. I it's blah, blah, blah. this is me. Like what? Oh my god! Something like this exists. And because they're, for most people, you know, some people get like sick straight away and blah, blah, blah. But some people think that they're like miracle drugs. And some people, you know, there's all these scenarios where people get put on benzos um, and either they get sick very quickly and then maybe they will have years to taper. That's a pretty horrific scenario, but it happens. Some people um, don't even notice it. I guess that I didn't even notice that I was doing what it does. Um, so by far, this is the scariest drug I think exists. A drug that slowly alters your brain, alters your mood, and you're not really yourself. It's just beyond crazy. I mean, in, I'm trying to think of like my pre-benzo self, as you will, with the knowledge that I had about drugs and psychedelics. I mean, I, I smoked pot when I was younger for a, a short while. I remember I had this phase where I was in college and every Friday night because I would have like all these friends over during the week and do, um, making assignments and stuff. And I was really dedicated and motivated uh, for that uh, pre-bachelor, I should say. But and I would have a while where I was smoking pot on Friday evenings just to chill out. And that worked for a couple of weeks or months, and then I just was done with with smoking pot. Um, but you know, all of the drugs that I'm aware of, um, and even the drugs that I'm, I haven't taken, like heroin or whatever, what I could gather if someone would get addicted to heroin, they would take a shot or whatnot, get get hooked or whatever, and it's really tragic and sad. Possibly they die, possibly they, they end up on the street, and it's horrible. But I think, I'm not really sure how this works, but um, they could go to like a detox and get, get out of that hell within a month. And, you know, it's very visible when you're, for example, on heroin and, and benzodiazepines. It just goes on and on and on, and you, most people, I would argue, are functioning on benzos for a long time, and then... Once they try to get off, like me, they become really sick. But like, for example, right now, I feel pretty normal and I look normal. And that is just even sneaky. Like, for example, a heroin junkie or addict or whatnot, you can maybe tell that they're addicted. With me, I'm just going about my day-to-day -day things often now. So you can't see my, my pain sometimes, my psychological pain. My, my insomnia, um, and it's just, it just it, it's, it's the most evil, evil, evil drug that I think is, has ever been created. And how, this is kind of the thing that I'm kind of leading into, it's like how on earth 
do we explain this to other people? If we want to, specifically, if you want to make change, like how would I do this? Let's say I would get five minutes of fame and I'd be on the Dutch news at eight o'clock <laughs> or in a CNN, something international. And I get to say, I get five minutes of speaking time to, how do I even convey this? Like there are no words in the dictionary to describe this experience. Like, I guess the closest words that we know as men, mankind is hell. Well, you know, just awful. What is hell? You know, everyone's hell is different, I guess. You know, everyone maybe has other thoughts with that. Um, I don't even know how, how I would explain this. The only thing that I could think of that I could do is like, look, it's really causing a lot of trouble. <laughs> It's really messing people up. It's destroying lives. Just take my word for it. You don't want this to happen. Don't take it any longer than these days. And then I'm not really sure how you guys feel about this, right? But if someone told me like, yeah, I had massive symptoms due to so-and-so and I had insomnia and I had mental anguish and I had burning skin, pre-benzo, like, oh, that sounds nasty. That sounds annoying. I guess you don't, I would never have grasped that 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 could like last for years or months, day after day after day after day. I guess the, the, the time frame of the suffering is just so long or could be so long that I'm like, we somehow I would try to emphasize that, like really say like, hey guys, if you take this, some people get so deathly ill that they suffer for years. And then I would specifically say, just imagine not being able to sleep. Just imagine having very, very dark thoughts day after day after day after day after day, month after month after month, year after year. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just really crazy. Um, so that is something I, I guess I'm currently struggling with that as well. You know, me getting normal, hopefully it'll stay that way. How would I even convey what has happened to me when I get back into unquote normal world and get a job? Like, where have you been? <laughs> um, where, why is there a gap in your, in your resume? Would I just say I, I, I was sick? <laughs> I was sick? <laughs> like, how would I even say this? And would other people believe me if I said I almost died? There is a pill that you can get from your doctor and you can get deathly ill. You can get a heart attack, get grand mal seizures and die. Or you wish you died, something like that. How? It is just so fucking surreal. And I, I guess that's the mo most blind, uh, mind blowing, blind, mind blowing to me. And I just, I just wanted to share this, like this whole process and I, Casually, carefully, I'm saying that I used to be normal before benzodiazepines. Um, for me, I think I'm kind of like a fascinating case because I, I mean, I did get polydrug in my in my kind of early taper, but before that, you know, and I wasn't on these uh, psych meds, other psych meds for very long, but before that, just the benzos. And if just benzos are doing this or are capable of doing this, my goodness, my Lord, it is just... It is just the craziest thing that I have ever experienced. And I mean, I've seen, there's nothing, there's no movie that I've seen, no book that I've read, well, except for the Benzo books, I suppose, but nothing is like this. Like I, I never knew of this existence and that is freaking, freaking scary, freaking scary.
I don't know the verb for this, unconveyable, not explainable to other people that haven't been through this because I, my partner has seen me at my worst. He's seen me having seizures. He's seen me begging him to kill me, basically. I mean, there were extremely, extremely dark times. But that's just something that another person can see. You can see that they're suffering. You can see that there's agony, but you cannot feel what that person is feeling. And it's just freaking, freaking terrible. So now, now that I'm hopefully continuing to be normal, I'm like, wow, that is just crazy. This is such a crime. It's such a crime. And that doctors, oh gosh, you know, sometimes I wish bad things to doctors, but I think I would want to have them have the benzo withdrawal acute kind of experience for about a week. And I think that would really change their prescribing ways. Now back to the now, benzo tired and me. So let's see, where to, where to start? I was basically, when all of this was happening, I was in a flow. I was recording with people. I still have a few recordings um, planned. But it, I was overwhelmed because I'm like, oh gosh, I may actually have to get back to work. All of these stressors are happening. My income is insecure. What do I even do now in terms of the, the podcast series? And I thought long and hard about it. Um, so first of all, I canceled a lot of the recordings that I had scheduled. Because I was like, I, I, need, I need a break. Whatever happens now, I need a break because a lot of stuff is happening. Um, I think for me, the scheduled thing became a problem because... In my opinion, podcasting is a job. <laughs> For I, I made it a job because it is very time consuming. I love to do it. Again, I do love podcasting, but I'm just in a different phase in my life right now because when I started podcasting, which was basically me sitting sick at a dining table in the winter of October 2022, like just talking and really sharing the journey that I was in at the time, like, oh, I'm in benzo withdrawal. Oh, you know, it was it was a different setting. Um I'm getting better now, and I think it's also just more healthy to do stuff besides benzos, you know? I did do some work outside of benzo, tired for for the cause. I did some advocacy, um, long stories. I won't get into that right now. But I was like, the scheduling thing is really, you know, it's like a job because you... I, I try to like produce episodes every week. It's just not working for me now. It's just not work, working for me now. It would have worked if this would be a paid job, which it isn't. Um, but I still love to do it. So it was like, you know, again, very conflicted in how to do it. So I, I really had to dive deep into how do I make benzo tired work in this phase of my life? Because there's the work thing, there's the income thing, there's the benzo thing. But there's also the me thing. And the me thing is is what I'm trying to say here is getting better. I just, I want to hang out with friends again. I want to work out. And every, and I want to I want to spend time with my partner. And every minute that I'm working on Benzo Tired, like now, is a minute that I'm not spending with my partner. It's a minute that I'm not working out. I think it's more healthy for me to actually engage or try to engage as much as I can with just normal life, getting better again, my healing process. So it's all about balancing. Um, again, a little bit back to the conflict is I love it so much and I wish this could be a paid job because it does, it's fulfillment. And I've, I've, I've learned so much from the guests that I have had on. I've learned a lot from the research that I've done for Benzo Tired. Um, I guess for me, after like very long thinking, I was like, the only way that this works for me if if there's the element of freedom into this, which basically means making a podcast whenever, 
Um, so it could be a while before you hear from me in the sense of a personal episode. Um, this is life. This is life. And I think the, for me, you know, I've, I've listened to different Benzo kind of um, podcasts. And I think mine is kind of unique in the sense that I'm amidst withdrawal, amidst bind, which makes it very relatable on one hand, but I'm not exempted from waves. So this is something else that I want to say about my whole symptoms and bind stuff is that I think, well, actually, I think I've had a wave. Um, and the catalyst was that me being summoned by the government it was like, that really messed me up. It really messed me up. So that can happen. So I, w I remember when this was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, and I have a recording scheduled. That is the the, the con of doing a, 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 um, a benzodiazepine-related podcast whilst in withdrawal, whilst you can have waves, because it's just almost impossible to commit to things. I mean, I think I've done pretty well so far. I, did, I was able to do the scheduled thing and, and produce episodes. I'm just in a different phase. I'm just in a different phase, and I hope y'all can understand. Having said that, um, now that I'm kind of rec reclaiming the freedom in, t in terms of the podcast, I will be back. I just don't, don't know when. Like I said, I have a few episodes scheduled. Um, what I want to say for now is I wanna, I'm, I'm very grateful that y'all are listening and that you listen to me. Um, and I just hope that you're all well. It does get better. Um, it just takes a lot of time, a lot of time, unfortunately, but it does get better on the other side. Um, I'm not completely on the other side yet because I'm still on the benzo. Oh, right. I'm still not planning on cutting my dose. There's just too much going on right now. And, you know, I had these two experiences not too long ago where I try to cut and I just get so deathly physically ill that I just don't feel that I'm ready to do that. Maybe I'll never be ready. I just don't know. Um, I, I also know is that I get to live to tell about it. So... Stay tuned, as you will. And I really wish you all the best. And I hope you're okay because I do think about all of you, the whole thing, the whole community a lot. And I really try to pitch in where I can. This is my way of doing it. Be well and be safe. Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. And remember, it's not a race. And don't forget to subscribe.